You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Aftermath Podcast. I am your host, Christopher Tenpenny, joined by my co-host, CJ Jones. CJ, how we doing, my man? Another victory Sunday this week, because we played on Saturday, Christmas Eve. But another glorious victory day nonetheless, Chris. I'm feeling amazing. Right. Now that getting to 12 wins, f- feeling good, to keeping pace. Oh, and uh, first game in a while to where, like, you know, I know it wasn't the most exciting game, but it was a well-played game where stress was low and, and issues with the play the Chiefs played. As sort For me, and I think most of the fan base is relatively low. How are you feeling? Hey, you can't be mad about a win when you win by double digits for one. Mm-hmm. We covered the original spread, which was 10. We did. We moved did. to 14 before the game time. So that's not our fault. So me and Chris got it right. <laughs> no, I didn't think they'd cover. I didn't think they'd cover. So you got it right. I didn't think they'd cover. I thought so, uh, uh, <laughs> we moved it like so quick. Oh, man. We knew Tyler Lockett wasn't playing before the game had started a couple days before because we knew from the previous game. In the right. So I don't know why this, the line moved four points and no no other players were missing. So I was shocked. Even, to see that. even if the line was at fourteen, I still would have said Chiefs won't, or you know Chiefs weren't going to yeah, cover. We haven't given you a reason to think that. Right, right. right. Like and I was had, like, uh, who was it? Uh, Cleet Cleet Shepherd that uh, Cleet uh, Chambers that was trying to jab us on that one call when he said defensive pass interference. I mean, I mean offensive <laughs> pass interference. Uh, he wanted to do that so bad, Chris. The crowd was so pissed. <laughs> Yeah, I was but, like he's gonna be Carl Shepherds all over again. <laughs> right, right. Hey, end of the game though, too. It wasn't. I mean, it was. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was funny though. Let's just get right into it. Like again, it was twenty four ten. Chiefs beat the Seahawks. Starting with the defense, just where, what really stood out to you out of this game this week? I think twenty four to three, Chris. That was a garbage time touchdown. That doesn't. Hey, count. yeah, you, no you're, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Garbage time touchdown, but still, we got to say the points. Points still count in those contract talks. You know, Juan Thornhill got an easy pick, Ooh. and, and uh, he's gonna be talking about that pick when he's like, "Hey, I had an interception." That's how those go. Everything counts, at, and when it's on paper, defense played great. Obviously, um, oh yeah, the D line set the tone. Me and Chris were talking about it off air. That was probably one of the better games they played this year. I know some of their more dominant performances, we were looking at the numbers, have been against lesser talented teams, like when we played the Jaguars or if we played the Titans or Texans or teams that don't really block very well and we get a lot of sacks like the Denver game. But to see them put it all together against a team that's been playing good football, Geno Smith has been the highest completion percentage guy in the league this year. And then to come into that game, and obviously they were missing Tyler Lockett, but still a team that's very dangerous with guys like DK Metcalf and Kenneth Walker and Noah Fant. And obviously the way that O-line has been playing and Geno Smith has been playing at a high level. For them to go in there and then dominate and set the tone and to play well from start to finish, George Karloftis with four sacks in five games now, he leads the league and batted down passes, Chris. I know that wasn't the stat we liked him to lead in, but, hey, you can't be mad about production at the end of the day. So I was super, super proud of that group. Frank Clark had one of his better games of the year as well with a couple TFLs. Chris Jones played like the defensive player of the year that we've expected him to be mm-hmm. all year. So, yeah, the defensive line, and we can go on about other positions as well, but the D-line for me, they set the tone from the jump from the beginning, and that's what I was most excited to see. Yeah, and, I, you know, the D-line definitely sh- shined, and I think everyone, you know, anytime you hold a team for the three points for 57 minutes or whatever it was, obviously you played well. The biggest thing for me with this game was the Chiefs' defense ability on third down. I think that's always been the biggest yeah. issue 
is bad. they'll make a couple, they'll string a couple good plays together. You know, you'll see Nick Bolton fly in and blow up a first down play on second and 12, and you'll get them to third and 15 or, you know, third and eight or behind the sticks. It's just teams always seem to then ruin it by picking up, uh, picking up the uh, first down mark. And it's like, that didn't happen. The Seahawks were only two for 14 on third down. And so that may be my biggest takeaway. There's a lot of good things that came, but if they can keep playing tough defense on third down, you're going to really see this, you know, kind of middle of the pack, below average defense, you know, maybe play a little bit higher to their potential. Cause they got talent. We, we know they got talent. It's just sometimes, you know, putting it all together has been an issue for them throughout the season. And that's the biggest stat. Obviously, you want to get turnovers like any defensive coordinator would say. Mm-hmm. But we know turnovers aren't the easiest to come by. So the biggest thing you can do is get off the field on third down and be really good in the red zone. In the last two weeks, they've done that. So you really can't be too mad about what the defense has done overall this year, given the fact that I looked at the snap count. I think we're number six in the league for the most snaps by rookies this year overall on the team. And obviously, most of our rookies we know play on defense. So we're obviously right. one of the more – like. and when you look at the elite football teams, you look at us – the Philadelphia Eagles, the Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, they're not nearly as high. They're at the bottom of the league as far as how many rookies they play. So for us to still have the same amount of wins and be in that championship window like those other teams in the NFL and to be playing that many rookies, that that's a testament to this coaching staff to have the growing pains, like Chris said, and to have to go through the, the ups and downs that you're going to have to deal with with playing three rookies in the secondary <laughs> with Trent McDuffie and Josh Williams and Jalen Watson. And all of them played well yesterday. Obviously, Josh had a couple of – a couple of PIs that we can live with because he's aggressive, but Jalen Watson tackled very well in open field mm-hmm. today. Brian Cook, I was telling Chris off air, probably had the best game of his career this year. A lot of great open field tackles, a lot of plays he made in the box. Also had his, um, you said this was his third highest snap count for the mm-hmm. year so far. Yep, yep, so. third most, third, third most uh, on the year. So he definitely flashed a little bit, and you know, safeties have been a little bit of an issue yep, this year. You know, we paid, paid the Chiefs paid that money for for Justin Reed, and he's been okay. He's you know he's probably known more for his talking off the field this year by most Chiefs fans, <laughs> unfortunately, because of how that Bengals game game, Bengals game went. Excuse me, but like he hasn't been. You know, it hasn't been worth the money yet, in my opinion. And then yeah, Juan yeah, yeah. Thornhill still just has not been the same coming back from that knee injury a couple years ago. Um, he's they're they're fine. They're they're I don't think they're it's not Sorensen, you know, back there. <laughs> but you know, it has been a little bit of a, a bumpy road from your veteran safeties and to for the rookie Brian Cook to start to get more reps, look a little bit more comfortable. When they won the Super Bowl, they were running a trio. Yeah. You remember that? There was a trio back there for running Kendall Fuller. It was Charverius and Kendall. No, Charverius was still at corner. It was Kendall yeah, Charverius Ward was still at corner. Yeah, Kendall, it was, Kendall was at safety. You're right. Yeah, Kendall, yeah, Kendall was at safety with Sorensen and Tyron. They were getting a lot yeah, right. of run together. So um having that having a young safety that they can go into those more three safety looks. You know, I, I'm not saying we have to, the Chiefs have to repeat what they did in, <laughs> uh, in 2020 to uh, to get back to the top, but it is nice to have some similarities, and we're seeing it right now with Brian Cook. Also, the guy I really want to talk about is Legarius, man. And <laughs> the thing about Legarius Need is that you're starting to see more of it, and we saw it all game against the Seahawks. Spags is finally like – Bro, just find their best target and you follow them around the field. There's That's no how more. It always should have been, and then you can let Trent travel with the other corner. And uh-huh. then the good thing about that, you can swap them. They both right. can do that job. That's why we have two corners that can travel now. I love that about the secondary. Right, right, and I don't, I don't know if Trent's been traveling a lot yet. Yeah, not too much. But, but it's it's pretty much. Sneed finds the best 
receiver and whether he's in the slot or or wide up wide wide on either side of the field that's where Snead is and then Josh Williams is going to be on the right Trent McDuffie is going to be on the left and they're going to go for it but Snead falling DK Metcalf DK got him once the big 35 yarder at the end of the second half but other than that I mean DK was kind of kind of a non-factor and that was because Snead was falling around him all game like man oh, absolutely He's uh, if he's his if he has the ability to at least he doesn't need to be a shut down corner he doesn't need to be you know Jalen Ramsey or Sauce Gardner you know those elite elite coverage corners but mm-hmm. if he can be a guy that at least limits big plays and can you know to a sense limit uh, lock up a a big number one receiver for teams that's huge for this young secondary going forward because these rookies are probably going to perform better when they're going against the number twos, the number threes, you know, they're not always, they're not locked up against the number ones from time to time. I think it's huge for the, for this young secondary. No, absolutely. And we knew coming into this year, this is a contract year for Snead. We know he's going to get a bag this summer and rightfully so he's been one of the better, not only corners, but defensive backs in general, because not only does he get PBUs, like Chris said, he gets strip sacks, he gets Mm -hmm. actual sacks, he gets TFLs. He does more than the average corner can do. On, an, on a gangly basis. So Snead is definitely a guy that's going to be paid a lot of money this summer, rightfully so. But when you have guys like Trent McDuffie, who's been one of the better coverage corners, like Chris said, when you think of Sauce Gardner and Jalen Ramsey, Trent McDuffie has been up there with those guys since he came back from the hamstring injury. I know the sample size is smaller right. than other guys, but if you look at just the weeks he's played since he's been back, he's been one of the better coverage corners in the NFL this year. So when you have two guys that you feel comfortable with, and I, should, and it's, I saw it a lot during the Bengals game, I saw Trent McDuffie look at Jamar Chase eye for eye and played him played him well for most of the game. Mm-hmm. I know we gave up some plays every now and then, but as far as big plays, we really didn't give up a whole lot. So to see those guys go up against the elite competition like Jamar Chase, like DK Metcalf, we've been up against some of the – we've basically seen every good receiver this year, Chris. I don't think there's anybody we haven't seen as there's a defense, a, as a secondary. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't really – I'm not really like – that's why I knew it was going to be a struggle. Like we said, in August, it's going to be tough for this group. Because we're going to be battle tested by now in December, we've seen every receiving core you can think of. We've seen T. Higgins, we've seen Devontae Adams, we've seen Stephon Diggs, we've seen everyone. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, twice. There's mm-hmm. nobody we haven't seen for this secondary group. So there's no reason in going into the playoffs. Snead playing his best ball. Trent McDuffie's obviously in a groove. We'll, we'll deal with the young, with the growing pains with Jalen and Josh. We'll deal with those because we know by the time January comes, there's nothing this group hasn't seen to given up to that point. I hate to argue with you, but the only the only group I'm scared about that I haven't seen is the Speed Demons down in Miami. Now they're has some quarterback yeah. issues. Whether the ability to get them the, Tyreek and right Waddle the ball that may be an issue. But yeah. as the playoffs stand right now, Miami coming to Kansas City is a huge possibility in the play in the first round of the playoffs. And like you said, the Chiefs have seen a lot of good receivers. They've seen Devontae. They've seen, you know, the the trio in Cincy, the duo in, in Los Angeles. But the speed demons are are a little different because it's not like you can say, oh, the Chiefs are familiar with Tyreek. Okay, maybe. These corners aren't. <laughs> These corners are all rookies. They haven't played against Tyreek. They don't know what that kind of speed is. Um, so that's the only skill level that, you know, I would be a little worried about. But at the same time, I don't know if Miami's going to have a quarterback that can get them the ball that, at that point in the season. But just something oh. to, no, to I keep it's, it's an eye on. It's definitely a point for sure. The way yeah. it's looking right now, Miami has to play the – they play the New England Patriots this week. And then they play yeah, the, and the Jets in the final so, week. Uh, I think the report I saw come out today that Teddy Bridgewater obviously was getting first-team reps because Tua had his third concussion, second report mm-hmm. in four months. So – if I had to guess or bet money, I would think he doesn't play this week just for safety reasons and caution because 
the the league blew up when he played the week after he got a concussion in Buffalo when everyone knew he shouldn't have been playing and he still did anyway. So I don't know if Mike McDaniels is ready for that kind of blowback again. So I expect Tua to not play. So the way it's looking right now, if we play today, we would play Miami. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know the game we're all waiting for is once we handle business on Sunday versus the Broncos at noon, uh, the game is the Monday Niner, Buffalo Bills, and the Cincinnati Bengals. That's the game to figure out whether we're going to have this buy or not. So uh, the way it's looking up now, if I had to bet money, I don't think Miami makes the playoffs, honestly, Chris. They're, and even really? if two of them are playing, I, and, no, and, and, and Tyreek and Waddle have been doing their thing. They're great. They're obviously both 1,000-yard receivers, top 10 this year for a reason. I don't think they would even make the playoffs even with two of playing. They're not playing good football right now. Man. They struggle versus, versus the Packers on Sunday a lot to not turn the ball over. And to think you're going against Bill Belichick and the Jets' defense, which is obviously, like you said, have Sauce Gardner, and they've struggled at times with their offense, but I think Mike White is probably going to be back. I don't think the Dolphins make the playoffs, honestly. I think the seventh spot may end up being, out of all things, it may be the New England Patriots. <laughs> yeah, which, it'll be. I wouldn't mind that matchup either. <laughs> right, just watch your knees if you're a defensive player because Mac may be out there trying to get, oh a, get a cheap shot on you. you. Got a compilation of his bad plays? Yeah, it's funny. The, the New England quarterback is is playing dirty, and it's more than it's more than about one instance. It's about five different times. They haven't like the past two years. He's only been in the league two years. How you have so many bad plays already? Yeah, it's it's wild. But real quick, I know I know it's fun. We're getting to the end of the year, and the Chiefs are playing these boring games, and there's not you know it's all a, these it's noon a, o'clock it's games. A lot, like it's a lot. It's a lot. It's really easy to look at what the other teams are doing. But real quick, I do want to get back because we did gloss over the offense on the Chiefs. Because it yes. was kind of pedestrian, especially in the second half. Definitely second half. But definitely. what did you do after? Is that why that pl- that play, that touchdown by Patrick hit so different? You know, we're sitting here, you know, scoreless in the third quarter. The fourth quarter starts a little slow. Then all of a sudden they hit Kelsey on back-to-back big plays. And it's like, okay, they're finally going to put this game, put this game away. And Pat goes Superman on the Seahawks, keeps its balance. Dude, what was your – what was – you know, I'm sure – were you with family? Because, I mean, everyone was at home. Where, like, what was the reaction like when Pat did that? Obviously, like, when the play breaks down, we know he's going to look to try to extend and make a play. And I wanted him to do that earlier in the game. He tried to hit Travis Kelsey. He mm-hmm. was running up the middle, and he found a lane to escape, and he threw it. I was like, Pat, why don't you just run? Like, you could have got seven, eight yards easy. He did it on the play in the red zone like you're talking about now, and he scored a touchdown. And my first thought was, is he out of bounds? Because I couldn't see it from that angle. Right, it was tough. I was like, his hand. Because I knew he hit the pile. I'm like, if he's in balance, it's a touchdown. I just mm-hmm. didn't know if he was his hand was in the white or was it in the grass. And they showed the replay. I was like, oh, that's clear. Now you have the money shot of him like perpendicular. Nice. And you put the side to side of him making a perpendicular throw in the Super Bowl two years ago when we played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Pat made another another superhuman play, bro, like like he does every year. So that's just 15 being 15, man. It, it's just crazy what he's able to do. How – he, somehow he's able to do something every week. I mean, and we're just like, it oh, just, hey, cool. it just doesn't make sense. You know, he had two plays against Denver. He had the the slam against the Bengals, the little spin shot against the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, we could just go on and on. And it's like, I, I thought this dude's highlight reel was already filled, and he keeps finding ways to do something I've never seen before. And I think that's what makes it so special. It's like, oh, sure, you can see individually every week in the NFL. Somebody does something that is incredible, ridiculous that you've never seen before. Thing about Pat is he's normally he he does it every week. That's what makes him so special. It's I hate when people are like, oh well, you know that diving play. Apparently Taylor Heineke did something similar like two years ago or whatever. It was like oh Taylor Heineke did that, and it's like okay, cool, but like 
Pat does something that wows you every week. Taylor Heineke throws three picks into something to disappoint you most weeks. Like that's, that's the difference is that, you know, yes, individually, these guys are all super athletes. Like you, you can, they can do things at times, but Mm -hmm. it's consistent with 15, whether it's throwing the ball, whether it's running the ball. And it's like, that's just what makes him, takes him that extra level. Absolutely. And I was talking to my friends about this today. It's honestly like the LeBron effect. Cause like when LeBron yeah. was in the prime from like around like 07 to like when he left and went to the Miami Heat and he was like easily the best player in the world, it yeah. kind of got boring admitting he's the best player. I think mm-hmm. Pat's already in that phase, which is crazy to say, Chris, because we're only in his sixth year in the league, but only his fifth year starting. Right. We're already like the media and fans are already bored with Pat. Chris, we're not even nowhere near close to year 10. And they're all imagine what it's going to be like five years from now. How they're gonna feel about Pat, and even then, he'll Stephen. He may have another eight to ten years after that of playing football. God, God, giving him his uh, blessing and healing. So, for the fans to already have, I kind of look at it as respect, Chris. I don't know about you, but like they're already that bored and that like yeah. talking about Pat. They don't even care. That's how good he is. He's already in that status for like, all right, we know he's good. Next, next topic. Like they don't even want to talk about it anymore. He's about to get his second MVP. He's twenty-seven with a Super Bowl MVP. Obviously, he has a chip under his belt, and he has a five thousand yard season. He's probably going to end up having two now. There's right. really nothing else really you can do as far as fans and other like critics do critique his game. He's done everything with and without Tyreek Hill. So what else can they say now, Chris? Well, see, and this is what scares me is that the Chiefs are boring right now because they're not playing anybody, which is yep. good because it gives them a chance to get the one seed. But you say Pat has the MVP locked up, and he should. He's been the best player. It hasn't really even been close, even if Jalen Hurts was still healthy. Like, doesn't take anything yeah. away from these guys' careers, but – or these seasons these guys are having, Patrick Mahomes has just been that good. So anyway, what scares me is the biggest game for the Chiefs this week isn't even their own damn game. Just beat the back the the interim head coach of the Broncos in their four win season. Fire Broncos like an arrowhead, and then all eyes are going to be on Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills taking on Joe Burrow Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football. <laughs> what happens? If it will go, what happens if you know Joe Burrow throws for 350 and four TDs, or the vice versa for Josh Allen, and they go on and get you know play well week night eight? What was it, week 19? And Pat just is like, you know, 275, couple touchdowns, nothing flashy. Wouldn't it be really easy? I know statistically, it would be it'd still probably be Mahomes, but wouldn't it be really easy to be like? Joe Burrow beat Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and has really good numbers or Josh Allen beat Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and got the one seed. Like that's what scares me about this Monday night game is that the media is so it's such a narrative driven reward. The media is so all ready to give off, get off Mahomes and find the next new thing that whichever quarterback plays better in the Bills Bengals game. They're going to be two and zero against the other two stud quarterbacks since they both beat Mahomes. Obviously, no, I hear you. That's definitely something the media could ride with as far as the moment right now. I think Burrow's second in odds right now after this because Tua dropped out, Jalen dropped down. I think Josh is like at fifth right now or fourth. Yeah, I think I think it goes. I think it goes Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hurts, Jefferson. Jefferson, JJ, JJ moved up to five. Yeah, yeah, just the receiver from Minnesota. I think, as you said, it's, it's Pat's to lose right now. I think the only guy that could steal it would be Joe Burrow. Burrow, and, right. And I'll be like, you're at home Monday night. You got the bills. Saying the now. narrative, man. The yeah, narrative. That, is the, I think Joe Burrow's narrative that could be the only one that's a legitimate threat. I think Pat wins it regardless. 
because I think Me too, but I think I'm he goes in there with a, with a cool little, like you said, even if he throws from like anything around three hundred yards, those like three touchdowns, or even if it's two, and we run a couple in. If we do that, it means by the end of that game Sunday night, he'll have five thousand yards. He'll have possibly forty touchdowns. And I don't even know how you could even look at that and say, okay, but Joe Burrow. Nobody will care when Joe if Joe Burrow went out for three fifteen beat and beat Josh Allen after he already is three and zero against Patrick. That's and I'm I'm with you. I'm just saying what they're going to say, yeah. on, you know, nationally and the media. You know, not everyone you hear on the on TV and the radio votes for the MVP, but it is media people that vote for the MVP. And so and so that is what's concerning is I could very easily see that if if Pat is just pedestrian, you know, throw throw a tipped pick or two in there over the last two weeks. And, you know, it'd be very easy to be like. Give it to Joe Burrow, you know, or Josh Allen. Josh Allen has a little bit more work to do, I would think, is a little bit more of a long shot. But Joe Joe Burrow has a clear path. Oh yeah, for sure. To if he, if he goes off to, this week, you get that. I can see him definitely trying. To yeah, make yeah. And so that because like, I think he's like plus six hundred right now. It yeah. could go from like plus six hundred to like plus like one fifty, and Pat will be like minus one fifty. It could be that close. If it I'm betting, and I don't have a dog in the race. I'm putting money on Joe Burrow this week. Like seriously, before the game starts, I'm putting like 15, oh, yeah. I'm putting fifteen bucks, you know, twenty bucks something on yeah. Joe Burrow because it the media wants somebody like to win that. other than Mahomes. Yeah, yeah it could switch right. like that. Mahomes wasn't even the favorite until Jalen Hurts got hurt. Yep, it's I mean, like he was a favorite. I think once uh, Josh Allen had that multiple interception game versus the Jets. I think I think Pat, Pat took was over. like the favorite for a week or two before they were like, "Oh, Jalen's actually got a better record. Let's give it to him." Pat had it. I think once. What was that game when they lost? They lost to Minnesota, and then they lost to the Jets when the Bills lost. Now I think after that game, because even at Detroit week, I think Pat was still number one. And when Detroit was playing Buffalo, and the game got moved, <laughs> they struggled. Pat was number one. Then obviously he lost it when he dropped down to three interceptions to Denver, and Jalen took back up the number yeah. one. It doesn't really matter about the season. It's just that I was just just thinking about at this point to where it's like it looks like it's locked away. If you're looking at odds, if you're looking at stats, if you're looking at anything and using your brain, it looks to be locked up. But how you finish is important in this business, and there's a few. And there's they have an influence. And while and while it's really nice that the Chiefs get you know, this cupcake end of their schedule with the Broncos this week and the Raiders probably won't have anything to play for in week 19 mm-hmm. while the Chiefs will because regardless of the Cincinnati Bengals game. You still need to win that game. To keep yeah, that there's there's the going game. to be, you know, the even if the Bills beat the Bengals, the Bills still have to play, I think it's the Patriots in, in week 19, which they could lose that game because the Patriots might be fighting for something. So the Chiefs have to keep winning. So most teams are playing week 18, regardless. Yeah, of yeah. I keep saying we week didn't 19, think that. I don't know why, but no, week no, no, 18. Week they had 18. extra week to throw us all off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can't, I'm adding two weeks, but regardless, like, Chiefs are going to have to play mm-hmm, absolutely. out well to end the season. Yep. And it's just, I, mean, I, I, I think I, I'm preparing for the worst, unfortunately. I'm preparing for the worst. No, Not I, from I, a team I, standpoint, from an award standpoint. No, you're correct. And I think the mindset of this game, obviously, Pat said it in pregame, like, you have to live for these moments, and you have to respect your opponent, no regardless of how good they are. And I was, I think this team should be pissed off about that game because we literally played them like three weeks, two weeks ago, and we saw how nasty that game was after we got up twenty-seven to zero. So right. say in this scenario, say we get up twenty-one to zero, I don't see this team being that lackadaisical. Mainly, I'm talking to Pat. I'm not talking to everyone else. I'm talking to you, fifteen. I don't see mm-hmm. him being that lackadaisical with the football. He's like, I just was in this situation two weeks ago. I'm not going to do this again. So if we beat, if we beat the Broncos. 
handily, I might add, say we win something like 35 to like seven or 35 to nine, something like comfortable the game, kind of like the Seattle game, comfortable lead, kept the entire game. With a little extra points on top. Yeah, and we sprinkle a little points on top, Pat those like a cool 300, maybe like two or three touchdowns. We go into Monday night waiting to see what the Bengals do. And obviously this week, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's the quote this week, Chiefs Kingdom. So <laughs> That's we're what rooting makes it for worse. The, it's the Chiefs fans are rooting for the Bengals. That's what makes it even worse. The one guy that can that could swoop in and take this MVP. Chiefs Kingdom is going to be rooting for his team. Now I hope that both quarterbacks struggle and it's you know seventeen to fourteen. Both guys got two picks and like it's ugly. But at the end of the day, I hope the Bengals have more points than the Bills. Like we, just want, we just want a Bengals W. That's all we want, guys. Hey, so everybody cra- does it. <laughs> it is crazy that the, at this point in the season, especially when you have two division opponents left in the Broncos and the Raiders, and you have 12 wins, yet still the Chiefs games aren't the most important games for Chiefs over the next two weeks. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of how they made the schedule. You can see toward the end of the year. They tried to make some of these games bigger, like putting the Broncos versus Rams on Christmas. They thought that was going to be Russell Wilson versus Matt Stafford. That's not the case. And then they obviously made the game with on Monday night when it was the Colts versus the Chargers, just a Herbert versus Matt Ryan. They wanted these matchups, and we know how football works. And they just floundered, man. It doesn't work out the way you usually think it's going to be because it's such a long season. Injuries happen. Guys get hurt. Things you just can't control. So towards the end of the year, obviously we're playing, we're playing two division opponents. You can never take them lightly because they're going to play hard regardless because it's the Raiders and the Broncos. They hate us. We hate them. We beat the Raiders on a controversial play based off what they did. Obviously, we know Carl Shepard's with the call. And then we lost, and then we played the Broncos. We didn't play a clean game. Well, we played a clean game for like a quarter and a half, and then we just decided to fall off a cliff and let them get back in the game. So I think we'll be pissed off and come in highly motivated because we know what's at stake. And we're playing playoff football right now, and I think Spags and Andy kind of get that notion like, hey, we need to get going. We only have two weeks left. It's, it's crazy. It's 17 weeks, Chris. We only have two weeks left. And then it's January football. All that other stuff doesn't matter. What do you do right now? And I, was, I think we're trending in the right direction the way our defense is playing. So if we're playing good football on Sunday, we dominate the Broncos. All eyes are on Monday. If the Bengals win, Chris, this is our path now. Look at this scenario. We would have a bye week, obviously. And then we would play the winner of the 4-5 or five matchup. And the way I'm thinking in my head, I think it's going to end up being the Chargers win the AFC South. And the Chargers get the five seed. So, I mean, sorry, the Jaguars win the AFC South, yes. So, that would be the four or five matchups. We would play the winner of that game, and then we would play, and then most likely we would think the Bills and Bengals handled their business in the two, seven, three, six matchups. Mm-hmm. So, we would play either Trevor Lawrence slash Justin Herbert, and then we would play either Joe Burrow or Josh Allen to get to the Super Bowl. Those would be our two games. And if somebody would have told you that scenario three weeks ago, would you take that? It didn't matter. You told me three weeks ago. I've always known that the, in order for the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to get through some version of Burrow and Allen. We could talk about how Trevor Lawrence and Herbert and those guys are playing. Are they threats? Of course, they're threats. Exactly. But they're not the big dog. It's like worrying about, you know, worry about something. The big yeah, the big dogs is it doesn't matter if you're going to have to play both of them or one of them to you get to get the going. Super Bowl. Those that trio, that trio of teams, in Buffalo, Cincinnati, one. and Kansas right. City. Are going to have to beat up each beat up on each other to get to the Super Bowl. Doesn't mean are. these other teams aren't kill, good and capable. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I They're just really, I it's I'd not play one and two, Chris. I don't want to play Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. It's not I like other years. Cool. Cool. It's not like other years where you know it was like Tom Brady and then 
you know, whether it was Peyton Manning or Ben, like there was only one other team. And so it was very easy to see a scenario where neither of those guys made the AFC championship or only one of those teams made the AFC championship. This year, there's three teams and it, all three are very, we can ar- sit here and argue about who's better, who's got the better odds and who do we like more all day, Where, if it's home, if it's away, whatever. It doesn't really matter. There's three teams in the AFC that can make the make the Super Bowl and I see I don't see very many scenarios where two of them don't match up in the AFC Championship. Exactly. I really don't. And honestly, like if you ask any of the, the the players from the Bills, Bengals, or Chiefs, they would tell you the exact same thing. One of us is expected to represent the AFC. The scenario now is just baiting, waiting to see: do you have to play one of those three teams or two of those three teams? Right. And any of players, you'd rather play one than play two. So if you right. let one of them take each other out and we play Buffalo or Cincinnati and they have to come through Kansas City. I like that scenario much rather than having to play one and then go to the other team and have to play them as well. So (laughs) I'd I'd much much rather play Justin Herbert first time playoff quarterback, which is crazy to say, or Trevor Lawrence first time quarterback in the playoffs and then have to play, obviously face our demons being Buffalo or Cincinnati. So that scenario looks more, much more and more likely the way I'm looking at it right now. And if we did like worst case scenario, like Chris said, we're playing devil's advocate. If we were to stay at the two seed, the way it's looking, I think Miami falls out of the playoffs. Like I said earlier, and I think New England gets that seven seed. So if anything, we would get New England in the first round on the wild card weekend. And then we would have to travel to possibly either we would be the higher seed. So we would probably go play Cincinnati. And then or and then we probably would have to go to Buffalo after that fact. So New England, Cincinnati, Buffalo, or Jacksonville slash Chargers then you would have to play either Cincinnati or Buffalo. It's 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 a tricky scenario, either one. But I think one most Chiefs fans would, would agree with, we'd rather have a week off and then have everybody have to come through Kansas City for the five-time AFC Invitational, Chris. I want that in Arrowhead for the fifth straight year, baby. Yeah, that's that's the goal. But just at the end of the day, just getting to the game wherever it's played. Obviously, it up, anyone take it. Nobody. And it's just weird. And I know we probably confused some of our listeners two weeks ago when we first did our playoff roundup. But, like, I've kind of changed to where I think a couple weeks ago I was like, oh, I can see, you know, Justin Herbert getting on a run or Tua getting on a run or Lamar getting on a run. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. And now, I, like I said, I'm, it, would surprise, it would surprise me if, if an MVP in Lamar Jackson, I, who I know has been banged up, but it would surprise me if he came back and took his team to an AFC championship. It would surprise me if the Chargers, who spent all this money and are getting healthy at the right time and are on this win streak, would have a good young quarterback. It would surprise me if they got on a run and got to the AFC championship. Like, that's that's how good those top three teams have been, man. Like, no, it would surprise me. Obviously, this is a little different. But if Bill Belichick, the most accomplished head coach in the history of the sport, found a way to get his ragtag bunch to an AFC championship, like, obviously, that's a little more – but, like – you get what I'm saying. The poor Cole Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just. I mean, the way it's looking right now, it's if it's still right now, the Chargers would play the Bengals. I, I'm like you. I expect the, I, it would be a great matchup. I expect the Bengals to win. I expect the Bills to win against whoever they play. I expect us to win against whoever we play. Obviously, regarding who until we matched up with either Cincinnati or Buffalo. If the Chargers beat the Bengals, I'm not gonna lie to you, Chris. I'll be very shocked. I'll be very shocked. The way the Bengals have been playing. The way Joe Burrow been playing this year, if they lost to the Chargers at home, I would be very, very surprised. Very surprised. So Not basically, 
basically what we're saying is get your tickets for Charger Ravens AFC Championship. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that's the big domino with the bar. Oh, this situation is so weird because I want him to I want him to get paid, but it's like, do you really come back with two injuries in two years and you have no security? Like, what if he comes back and hurts it even worse? It's like you know, you got to go into the offseason with knee surgery and trying to get a contract. That's nasty, bro. It's it's such a weird dynamic in Baltimore, man. That's so nasty. Right. That's a That's topic so for another day. Even though we didn't talk about the matchup too much, we still got to do our predictions. Chiefs, Broncos, new new interim head coach, what, Roseburg or whatever the heck his name is, is, is coaching for the Broncos after they fired Nathaniel Hackett. What do you think this game's going to be? I mean, they're probably uh, – what's the spread right now? They got it at like 10 or 14. What is it Dude, right I now? I haven't even checked the spread because that's how like – It's it's probably something nasty. I already know. It's probably high. They gave it – it was 10 when we started versus the Seahawks and then moved to 14 right before – It's a 13 and a half right yeah, now. Yeah, I knew it was somewhere around 13 and a half. Yeah, I expect us to – I expect us to cover because I definitely people didn't think we were going to cover last week. But pass undefeated against NFC teams at home. Him and Andy since they've been together. So obviously, like their offense is one of the worst in the league. I think we handle our business and finish the job like we did two weeks ago. So I'm thinking Chiefs cover the spread for sure. I got Chiefs 30. I'm gonna go Chiefs 34. I'm gonna go Broncos 10. I'm gonna be nice. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're about right there. I think I think the defense can picks up where they left off, you know, whether it's Russell, whether it's Rippin, whoever, whatever's going on in Denver. Mm-hmm. Again, if the defense truly is fed up and gave up last week, like it looked against the Rams, um, I'm talking they about the Broncos very, defense. Very defeated. They had a whole like, lot of target on the sideline and stuff. It, it should be, yeah, like you said, it should be a 34-13, you know, that, that so kind that, of game. Piece, yeah. It's and a little bit of the it's a divisional opponent goes out the window this week for me. You know, that's something I always grab onto. Like next week against the Raiders, I'm going to have that pause. Even if the Raiders have nothing to go for, I'm going to be like divisional game, you know, the Derek, on the road, and, and on the road. Like, I don't care what the spread says. I don't care what the Raiders and Chiefs they are playing for. Like us. that game is <laughs> going to be competitive. I think at this point in the season for the Broncos, it's just there's too many other things going on that I just – it would worry me if it was another, you know, 27-21 kind of game. Like the no, Broncos on the way. They have so much going on right now. They're thinking that's not even football related in that organization. I think the team's distracted. Obviously, they have a coach being fired. The quarterback is mentally checked out. There's some people say he should be benched. They say he right. should be playing. So I yeah, think right. they have so many things that they're dealing with. You got Jerry Judy obviously showing frustration. You got linemen on the sideline arguing with the backup, Brett Rippon. So uh, they have uh, so many things going on right now. I don't think they're ready to come into this environment to hear Chiefs Kingdom obviously screaming loud one more last time. This is our last home game before the playoffs. So I think the crowd is going to be juiced up for this one, Chris. Well, yeah, and there and there's always the interim head coach thing too. Like they seem to do well in their like Jeff Saturday won his first game. Panthers have a chance to go to the playoffs. Last year with the Raiders, they had an interim coach made the playoffs. You know, if you want to go way back, Romeo Cronell beat the 14-0 Packers as an interim head coach for yep, Kansas City Chiefs. Like, there's Romeo always Romeo. some sort of magic with interim head coaches. The difference, is, the difference is this dude was brought off the street this year to do clock management. I don't think those players have nearly as good of a relationship and of, like, pride as you see with, like, 
those Romeo Cronells and I, I forget his name, but the the Raider coach last year who should have been hired for their head coach this year. Yeah, he's he's a special teams coach. I'm yeah, their special teams coach that, that that organization the players loved and that and the Raiders made the playoffs for. Um, you know, I don't think Denver has quite that connection with with this Roseburg guy and so no absolutely like I said they're dealing with a lot of things that aren't even football related the players are obviously they're bickering this week between each other the media you got the owner coming out here doing press conferences in the middle of the week saying like their 250 million dollar quarterback the defense is obviously mentally checked out that was their worst game of the year they were given they gave up a 50 piece to Baker Mayfield if you had that (laughs) on your bingo card you know the future I hella bet the under on that game, and I was kind of mad that the Rams put it on them like that. Yeah. Oh, man, <laughs> man. I, I expect I expected to be a route. I expected to be get on them from the jump, get turnovers, get the ball in the end zone, put the pressure on them, let our D line eat, have a multiple sack game like we did last week, and get guys on the, get the numbers on the board. So I'm with you, Chris. I think it's going to be a dominant game because I think this is this is the moment where you make those statement games, Chris. Mm-hmm. Where you set the tone like, hey, this is our last game. The next time we play here is going to be a playoff game. So right. don't leave this stadium with a bad taste in your mouth. So I think they set the tone this week, come out, play fast, play physical, play pissed off, and then we're going to be all going to be eyes on Monday night to see where we're playing if we have that bye week or not. So I think guys come out with and they set the tone to bring the energy for Sunday at noon. I think they're going to be ready. Yep, first time all year that when Carrie uh, starts singing about waiting for Sunday night, it's going to be like, no, man, I'm still – I watch my team play at noon. I'm still waiting for Monday night. Oh, like, Monday night, baby. <laughs> that's the game this week. That is 100% the game this Absolutely. week. I may have to tell the wife we can go do something on Sunday, you know, just to make sure I, uh, I'm free Sunday Monday. Night, and I do it. Uh, <laughs> yesterday we were out. Remember? It was <laughs> so, so this is my – like, like that's kind of where I'm at. But uh, before we get out of here, CJ, where can the good people find you at? They can always find me on Twitter. Or our aftermath page. Our aftermath page is at the aftermath KC. My personal page is CGG81. That's CJEEZY81. My DMs are open. If you want to add me or Chris, both run the aftermath page. We have great interaction with the fans. I love you guys following us, asking us questions. Um, definitely, when I'm definitely going to post our predictions on there as well. We have oh, there we go. That's for fantasy. Um, I'm in my fantasy championship this weekend. Pray for me. Woo, woo. If I win, I'm trying to win some money. Thank you. To everyone else in their fantasy championships as well. Good luck. Good everyone. Luck. I have Pat Mahomes on my team. So, Patty, if you're listening, I need you to go federal, please. Oh, yeah. I don't have oh, to <laughs> But uh, also, I also, I have one ticket available for this Broncos game. So, if any fan is interested, hit my DMs or hit our page at the Aftermath KC, and we can work out something. I'm trying to bless someone with the opportunity to go see the Chiefs in nicer weather because the conditions were very frigid last week, Chris. Couldn't feel my freaking fingers. Rather than that, I'd rather bless somebody this week with the opportunity to go see their Chiefs kingdom one last time before the tickets get kind of crazy for playoffs. So if you're interested, definitely hit me up. Oh, man. is this, Are they are they having to buy it or, or what's the what's – the... I'm in the holiday spirit, Chris. I'm I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. I was yeah, I'm just giving gifts. Uh, if you were playing, I was just trying to let everyone know. I hope I didn't make you just give away a free t- I'm, I'm, if you I'm, were asking for someone to pay for it, bro, I, that was I'm not my I'm in the holiday spirit. I'll, I'll bless one of my Man, CJ St. Nick, what a guy. This will also put to test how many, you know, who actually listens this far to oh, our buddy, We're about to get so many listeners now. Like, <laughs> hey, 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 nobody going to hit CJ up. 
like, hey, what's up, man? I enjoyed the show. I'm like, did you listen to the show yet? I'm like, yeah, I heard it. So you must have, did you watch the whole show or just skim through it? Right, right. He's like, <laughs> your buddy texted you and be like, man, I wish I could go to the game this week. Oh, your podcast was good. And he's like, oh, thanks, it, don't, Appreciate it don't make sense. <laughs> that don't make sense. I got a ticket for you if you really listen. Like, you okay. <laughs> Only Man, people who watch the entire show, we have to answer questions before them to get the ticket. <laughs> You're going to start at, at the 28 minute mark. What did we what talk, did we talk about? about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I my I do not have a ticket. I'm not giving any way. I'm not as nice and as generous as CJ over there. So I'm just on Twitter at ten, at ten penny eighty eight. You know, talking sports, whatever, whatever. You know, shoot the shoot the stuff or whatever you want to do always there. Uh, maybe someday I'll have a ticket, but uh, I live in Oklahoma city too, right at this point. So ain't too many tickets coming into you my life. Get Chris back to Arrowhead. Don't you, people, don't you worry. He'll be here. Oh He'll man. Here. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, all right, that is going to do it for us this week. We appreciate you guys listening as always. We'll talk to you next time. Go chiefs. <laughs>